You're listening to ELT Today with Anna Pratt. I've been talking with Anna Witcher and Karen Donaghy this month. They are the organisers of the sixth Image Conference that will be taking place in Lisbon in October this year. It's the main gathering for language teachers, publishers, designers, visual artists and anyone with a desire to explore the wider subject of visual communication, language, literacy and the nature of their connection and our response to it as educators. Let's start our podcast today with a little story. My first contact with languages other than my native English came late. Not that I wasn't interested. I got an English-Arabic dictionary out of the library when I was about 12 and tried to learn the words by myself. I didn't get very far. Let's just say I had a little problem with pronunciation. Then in my early 20s, I began learning Māori, the indigenous language of my home country, New Zealand. After that, I went travelling and found myself in Spain, where I began learning Spanish. The excitement about languages and the learning of them was so great that I became a language teacher myself. Meanwhile, in a parallel universe, I was a visual artist. My visual literacy began to develop as a child practically from the moment I opened my eyes. And then a little later, as soon as I was able to hold something to make marks with. I've been responding visually to the world around me all my life and have made it a career, showing and making my work for over 20 years now. However, it took me a long time to realise that these two universes, my visual world and my spoken and written world, were arguably one and the same. Okay, they had different frequencies and different modes, but I could actually begin to see them as one thing. It's just that I'd failed to see it before. Developing a network of professional friendships has really encouraged me to explore the possibility of all of this. Anna Witcher and Karen Donaghy have been exploring this for a long time, this universe where language appears in many forms, or as, as we call it, multimodal. They are the dynamic partnership behind the Image Conference and the recent launch of the Visual Arts Circle, a hub for language professionals with an interest in visual literacy. Anna, Karen and professionals like them are exploring and redefining the paradigms of what language learning really is in the 21st century. I first asked Karen and Anna what their entry into language teaching was. Well, I studied... um political science at University of Nottingham University in the, in the UK, which had nothing to do with teaching or linguistics. And after, after I finished my degree, I worked in a, in a couple of jobs in offices and decided that was something that I never really wanted to, to, to do. So I did a teaching course, initial teacher training course, and then I went to, I went to Madrid, uh, worked there for a year, and I, I worked in the UK, in London, Birmingham, uh, I travelled and worked in different places like uh, uh, Portugal and um, some places in Italy as well. I finally ended up in uh, in Barcelona. did a did a masters uh, in in uh, ELT and then another masters in in in, in business education and um, and that was really my entry and you know sort. Of was more or less my career in uh, in ELT, and then I started about seven eight years ago. I started writing material on my website, Film English, 
Um, and that's re I'd always been interested in film and um, and and the use of film and and video in in language education. And um, I think it was very much with the digital revolution, with the the the, the, the development of um, of um, you know video sharing sites like YouTube and Vimeo that I became interested in how we could exploit our online film and uh, short films and then you know, I started my lesson writing my lesson plans on film English and then um, then I got to know Anna so my um I, I was your typical um, English British English literature major um, at Berkeley and um, proceeded to go right into my master's in writing and composition while I was teaching high school in English and also high school Spanish here in San Francisco, um, and, and then moved to Washington, D.C., where I had a job for a year as a um, researcher and at the Center for Applied Linguistics and realized very quickly that um, researching wasn't really for me. It just wasn't creative enough, and so um, I went off to Riga, Latvia um, in 1996, and um, that was an exciting time to be there. And um, got in did teaching there in several different institutions, and that's how I got started in publishing. I was working for a, a maritime company that didn't have any curriculum, and so I started writing curriculum for them. Um, and so that was my first, like, my, my little resource pack book um, at that time. And um, and so I stayed abroad. I was in um, London for two years and in Edinburgh. Um, again, still getting into publishing, writing materials. I was working as a Spanish editor for a while. Um, and then started getting into film. Um, and my first little mini film that I made was uh, in 2003 when people weren't really doing it yet. I was writing for a language production company out of Sweden. And um, they needed these little thumbnail videos about, you know, everyday things that people could watch. And, um, and I realized then at that point that that was a real interest for me, although there was nothing sort of to do with that until about 2010. So I just kept writing materials, kept editing, kept um, doing my normal publishing work until an opportunity came up for me to co-author um, secondary level course that needed video. And so then that sort of launched into all this other video that I've been doing for Cambridge University Press and um, for Helpline, and um, I'm back with Cambridge now working on two um, video projects. Um, so that's my, that I really felt like that was my place. It, it sort of expanded my, my, my writing and teaching into one so that I could move into sort of this more creative zone. And that's when I found Kieran. I was looking online to get some more ideas and came across his website and thought, well, I need to meet this man because this, this is just along the lines of how I see the world and what I'm doing um, with my work. And so I reached out to him and we met at a Temple in Harrogate and that, and proceeded in a few months to make a film together and write a book together and do some joint presentations. So it just sort of snowballed from there. Um, so yeah. That's how we, we just knew right away that this was something that we could build into something greater. I asked Karen what kind of themes shaped those first conversations. Well, I, I, th I think one of the things we, we talked a little bit about the use and more about perhaps the misuse of film and video in language education and how it was used, being still being used quite a lot. And this is only perhaps uh, four years ago how the images um, 
were being mainly used still for, for, for as an aid or a support in language teaching in course books or as or as deco or even just decoration and how the video was still largely used as glorified listening as as glorified audio the, the, the more and more course books were using video but the way that video was being used was was still uh, uh, being used uh, as 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 visual with the visual support um, and that most of the exercises were comprehension based uh, exercises and we were thinking that there, that there should be um, an approach where we, 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 ex we could exploit film um, as a multimodal text that we could have a more creative uh, approach to to the use of images in, in particularly in course books and that um, videos could be used much more as a prompt for discussion, for generating uh, debate, activating the students' uh, schemata on the, on the subject. Um, so so th those are the sort of topics that we talk about how a video was currently being used and perhaps how it could be, could be used. There does seem to be a shift towards using uh, video for more creative purposes. One course book that Anna has been involved in, uh, very much involved in, um, Uncover uh, by um, Cambridge University Press, that students are actually have to cre create their own videos as, as tasks. And I think that's very much uh, where, where we're moving uh, in, in language education, that the students that were exploiting the videos as, as multimodal text and also trying to get the students to create their own videos that, so that they're not just uh, the consumers of media, that they're the producers, the creators of, of media as well. Yeah, no, that just to add, I mean, I think Karen's bringing up a really, really important point, and that is that... Um, young people especially are so accustomed now to actually making their own videos on their own so not for classroom purposes and so taking that skill that they're that they're learning outside the classroom and bringing it in is just seems like a natural flow like they they know how to do that and I think that that's a wonderful collaborative thing that we can do between teachers and students now that it doesn't have to always be top-down teacher teaching students how to do stuff they know how to do this stuff it's just figuring out how to make it um, something that is is workable in the classroom where they're working together in groups and and, um, and you know using skills that they already have which i think is really key I recently watched my 14-year-old goddaughter Elsa dance. The depth of emotion, the sophistication and nuance of her movement and expression impressed me and it had me wondering at my own very unsophisticated self at the same age. I was reminded of our circumstances growing up by my own mum. She reminded me how we had grown up on a small town on a smallish island far down in the South Pacific. We had three channels on the telly and I think when we got a video recorder, I had one video of a dancer from some French ballet company and two books on dance. Elsa, in comparison, has YouTube and 200 plus channels, as well as access to dozens of theatres and performances. At 14, her visual and oral world surpass mine. Her savviness in finding, learning and making use of it as well. 
not to mention being a producer of her own videos. So as teachers, learners, consumers and creators, how are we responding to this exponential growth in the visual world? Exactly it, and I think Karen and I both feel really strongly about the fact that it's this other critical element um, that needs to be addressed. We're, we are bombarded with all of this, and um, Karen and I really bonded on the Steve Atkin book um, about images and the fact that, you know, we need to start looking at it more carefully and understanding what we're seeing and trying to make sense of the world with it. We can't just absorb it all and suck it all in. We need to start being active viewers. And um, that's something that I think that we see in going forward is how do we help our students in the classroom become more critical thinkers with the with visuals that they're seeing. So similar to how you would read a text, how are they supposed to look at a visual more critically? I think that's the skill that um, we need to start working on. I think the, the, the fact that both of you mentioned there, you know, about so many images, but I think it, it's probably too many images that we're saturated with images that we're bombarded with images. And, and as you know, and very often it, we're, we're viewing these things passively and, and we need to we need to have a more active uh, approach to it. And, and, I, and I do think that language education in general, but language, language education in particular, has been slow to respond to the need to develop students' um, visual literacy. And I think, I think there is, in, you know, um, slowly there's an increasing recognition that visual literacy needs to be in integrated into the curriculum. And the, the, the very recently there's been some very interesting developments in, in curricula throughout the world. In, in some countries, um, for example, uh, I think Australia, Canada uh, and Singapore, that they have um, incorporated two new skills uh, into, into the curricula. Um, so in addition to the traditional skills of reading, writing and listening, they've, they've added uh, viewing and representing. So I think that's re that's really really interesting. And and you know, for example, I think the the Canadian uh, curriculum. I think they define, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the reviewing. They say it, it's something like they say it's an active process of attending to uh, and comprehending visual media such as television, advertising, uh, films, diagrams, photographs, videos. Uh, drawings and, and, and paintings, uh, um, and they also the, the representing they, they define as um, the ability to enable students to communicate information and ideas is through a variety of media. They don't specify what that media is, but I, they, they, they do seem to be referring to the media such as you know like diagrams or or slideshows like PowerPoint. Um, infographics, um, uh, vis um, videos, short films, photographs. So uh, um, I, th I think that those three countries, um, Australia, Singapore and Canada, have got three of the most advanced educational systems in the world. The fact that they've incorporated these two new skills, um, I think that means that they're going to be incorporated in curricula throughout the world and in, and in language learning. Learning the language learning syllabus as well. So I think 
I think, um, as I said, I think that language education in general has been slow to incorporate visual literacy into into the into the syllabus. But there there really is is a need to do that, and, and I, I would argue as well that there's a need for um, on initial and in-service teacher training for teachers to be given specific training on visual literacy and also media media production uh, um, as well. I asked Anna and Karen why they thought language teaching was slow on the uptake. Anna spoke from her point of view of the world of publishing. My feeling is, I, I'm actually um, really hopeful, I'm a positive person about things like this, but I feel like that it's starting to come around, but yes, it's been a very slow start, and I think it has to do with the fact, of course, that because we're teaching language and that this is all based on the printed word, um, that it, there's been a real resistance to moving beyond the actual word and not seeing communication um, as as a whole package, um, I mean, there there is some you know acknowledgement of the tone that you use and gestures that you use, but I think that it's not always seen as part of the whole communicative the communicative process. And I think that that is what is starting. That I think publishers are starting to embrace that, starting to realize you know that this is what their markets want as well. They're asking for materials that incorporate a lot of visuals, that incorporate film or you know, video creation, they want that. And so I think they're being pushed now on the other side to do that, which sometimes that's just the way it is, but they are understanding why that's important. And so I feel like in a lot of the materials that I'm starting to develop now, that there's definitely more of a a, a less rigid approach. So um, I think before and uh, Karen talked about the glorified audio, that had largely to do with the fact that they were so script-focused. It had to be, according to a certain script, tied exactly to the syllabus. It couldn't incorporate any grammar that hadn't been introduced before or any vocabulary that hadn't been introduced before, but they were not looking at the fact that you're getting so much more from the visual to aid you in understanding what you're seeing. And you can have a little bit of that extra that's, you know, out of level, above level word that, you know, can be in there because we're actually seeing what it is. We can see what it looks like or we can see the expression on the person's face. I think that's what they're starting to understand now. I, you know, I've seen a difference in the way that my editors look at things, whereas before they would just look at the script, they wouldn't even look necessarily at the video at the same time. And now they're looking at both and understanding, oh, that's why that works there, because I'm seeing how it connects. So I'm, I think we're moving in the right direction for sure. It's just been slow. Um, because of the nature of our field and how it's very printed, print word based, basically. Yeah, I would agree very much with Anna and what Anna said. As we're teaching, uh, we're teaching uh, language and English language, and uh, it's been difficult for many people to, to to come to terms with the fact that communication is no longer just language, uh, and people find a lot of people have found that very difficult to understand, and you know the the dominance of multimodal texts in society um, a lot of people have, have found that difficult to come to terms with and there's a there's a very famous quote a gunter gunter kress quote which i think is very relevant here and it, it's it's like the, the former constellation um of medium of book and mode of writing is giving way and in many domains has already given way to the new constellation of medium of screen and mode of image i think that's very much the case 
um, in 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 language education that that, that the, you know that now most of the text students are encountering are multimodal texts. They're not monomodal texts, but that's not yet reflected in the um, in in the language in the language classroom. But Anna says there is a gradual there is a gradual change. It's been slow, but but finally uh, publishers are recognizing that fact. And I think uh, in language teaching, particularly the course books are incredibly powerful. And that um, most in in most contexts, that the course book is is the syllabus. So it has an incredible uh, amount of, of influence on 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 teachers and on students. That a lot of the teachers who haven't received much training are actually learning how to be teachers through the through the course books. So I think that that's that's another uh, another important factor. Yeah, and I think also the other important thing is the student and. Our students are, you know, they're watching YouTube videos all the time. They're getting a lot of input to your point that you were saying about the dance videos, Emma. But see, they're seeing so much now and getting so much language input that they're making those connections with language. It doesn't have to be, hello, my name is Ed, and you're looking at every single word individually. They're getting so much from what's around them that they're able to, it's like they're filling the gap. Of, of where they're not quite understanding it, they're getting the gist of it. And I think with all the information that's out there, it's the only way that we actually can manage a lot of the information input that we have nowadays, trying to understand just the things. Um, there, of course, we need to still look at language carefully and, you know, pick it apart and, and that type of thing. But I think for skills that our students need nowadays, they need to be able to be functional and have practical methods of dealing with language. Out of all of this discussion, the Visual Arts Circle was formed. Essentially, it's it's a um, you know a community of practice of of, of language teaching uh, professionals, not just teachers, but also teacher trainers, um, course book writers, designers, um, and the, the the main objective is this is for critical and creative. Uh, approach to using um, images in, in 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 all their different forms, and you know all the different forms of the of the visual arts in in language education, and very much to promote what we've been talking about today, um, the use of multimodal texts in the in the in the language classroom, in course books, and in in the classroom, and also developing students' visual literacies, trying to get um, teachers and 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 students to see that viewing, you know, is an is an active process, um, uh, that it's that it's not that it's not passive, um, and also to develop this um, the the role of of media production uh, in the classroom. For me, those would be the you know the the overall. Uh, aims of, of the circle. I don't know if Anna's, Anna's got anything else to add to that. Because of, in my line of work, I'm always dealing with a lot of people who aren't in sort of the inner ELT circle of authors and who aren't going to ISTEFL. I know a lot of photographers and designers and um, filmmakers and people who are sort of on the outside, but who have a very crucial role in developing these materials. Mm. Um, and I think that it, it is a wonderful space for those people 
people, and this is the feedback I was getting from some of the people who are non-ELT, so to speak, that they are able to connect with these people that they're doing the materials for, and it helps for that understanding, like, oh, okay, that's why we're talking about this, and um, it's not just the academic side of language teaching, it's this whole other element that is involving the image that takes a whole different set of skills, a whole different background academically or just even practice. And I think that um, we can learn a whole lot from each other by having this group where we, we have a safe space to discuss ideas, to put our, our stuff out there, you know, whether it's an article that we've written or it's a, a film that we've produced or something, something else that we feel that we want to get some ideas from or response to. Um, I think Karen and I felt like this would be a way to to bring people together in a form that, that um, felt like a space where they could explore and be more creative. Yeah, and, and there wasn't, as, yeah, as Anna said, um, there wasn't really a space where people who, you know, um, ELT professionals, there wasn't a space for them to go to within IATEFL or any other teaching association um, where they could come together and share their interest in the, in the visual arts and in developing students' visual literacies. And, and, and what I was, one of the things I would say that, you know, that ELT conferences, largely the visual arts and uh, visual literacy are, are ignored, and particularly visual literacy is oft, often subsumed under the focus of, of, of digital literacies, which is given an enormous amount of of it of important and i think it's it's sort of it, that, that it just sort of reveals the overall misinterpretation of, of this changing role uh in the elt field the increasing importance of multimodality and and visual literacy so we, we very much wanted a space where lots of people where people we knew lots of people were interested in this area but they didn't have a common space to 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 go to and and with that, the, the thing I was mentioning about uh, the, the conferences, what I'd created um, about started about five years ago, the the image conference, and now that has become the annual conference of the of the visual art circle. So we've also got our own uh, annual conference as well, which with which will help to disseminate uh, our message. So essentially, it's it's the only annual conference. Uh, specifically dedicated to the use of images in language education. And, um, and so this year's conference is being held with API, which is the main um, Portuguese English language teaching association. It's going to be held in, uh, in, in Lisbon uh, on the 13th and 14th of, uh, of October. Um, and we have... Uh, but as plenary speakers, we have Sandy Moral, who's a Portuguese-based uh, teacher, teacher trainer, and she's a world specialist in the use of, of storybooks. And she's going to be talking about how storybooks and adaptations of storybooks can be used in the uh, in the language classroom. Um, and another plenary speaker is Carmen Herrero from Manchester Metropolitan University, and she's a, a, a world expert in the use of film in language education. She's the founder of the um, Filming Language Teaching Association. And then there will be um, specialists, um, sort of renowned specialists in the use 
of, 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 of image in language education and also we'll have lots of um, Portuguese teachers and teacher trainers as well so we have a mix of uh, international better, perhaps better known international speakers and, and teacher trainers and local uh, teachers and, and teacher trainers and um, yeah we, we think it's going to be a very successful uh, uh, event it's going it's the sixth uh, the sixth edition of, of, of the conference yeah, just to add on that, um, Emma, I'm going to be um, speaking about um, the Visual Arts Circle and, you know, how to become a member, what it is, our mission, um, and how to become involved if you want to be on the, on a committee. Um, that'll be something that I'll be speaking to at the conference um, so that people know where to go after conference time um, so that we can uh, expand our membership. Also at the conference, we'll be launching um, the first publication of the visual arts circle um the the image in elt uh, which has been published in conjunction with the maltese elt council we've got 18 chapters all of the all of the people all of the authors are are, are well-known experts in, in in the field of the visual arts in language education and, we, and you know as i say we're going to launch that at the uh, at the conference um there'll be initially there will be um, uh, it will be in paper, and then it will be released online as well. It will be freely available on online after the conference uh, as well. That's all for this month. If you want to find out more about the Visual Arts Circle, the Image Conference, its publications, or members, go to www.visualartscircle.com or www.theimageconference.org or check the blurb of this podcast on SoundCloud for links. Thanks for listening to ELT Today.